Welcome to Upgrading Society, a podcast and community centered around discussing, dissecting, and implementing projects that are seeking to improve the world. Our goal for each episode is to leave you, the listener, with a good sense of what each project is all about. To do this, we have developed what we call a CAP score. CJ, take it away. C is for clarity, A for action, and P for potential. Clarity is how clear your idea is. Action is what you have done thus far. And potential is how promising your vision is. Each letter will be scored from one to nine, leaving us with a three-digit score at the end. To get these ideas to the highest score possible, we have three tools to help facilitate the conversation. Mike, tell us more. When you hear this sound, the person speaking has to explain what they mean in simpler terms. We call this no big words. When you hear this sound, everyone takes a deep breath and explains how they are feeling in the moment and give a score of 1 to 10 in comprehension. We call this checking in. When you hear this sound, people riff on future scenarios based on what they just heard. We call this what if. That's it. Welcome to Upso. Let's go. Today's guests are Dr. David Brock and Trevor Gormley. Dr. Brock is founder and president of Liquid Intelligence, a next-generation platform that networks artificial intelligences for industrial and consumer applications. He was a principal research scientist at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology and founder and director of the MIT Data Center, as well as former co-founder and director of the Auto ID Center. Previously, Dr. Brock was a research scientist at MIT's AI Lab, where he founded and directed a research group focused on semi-autonomous agents within large virtual worlds for the Department of Defense. David was also founder and chief technology officer of Hangout Industries Incorporated, an online 3D social networking virtual world, as well as the founder and former chief technology officer of Endovia Medical Incorporated, a manufacturer of computer-controlled surgical and interventional devices. He holds bachelor's degrees in theoretical mathematics and mechanical engineering, as well as master's and PhD degrees from MIT. Before joining David to build Liquid Intelligence, Trevor Gormley founded The Millennial View, a consulting firm dedicated to helping companies effectively integrate their current operations with new strategies to better fit the incoming generation of workers and consumers. Trevor has frequently appeared on CNBC's Closing Bell to discuss market growth strategies and consumer market sentiment for companies like Apple, Tesla, and IBM. He is also a contributor to Becoming Human and Data-Driven Investor. We had a lot of fun with this interview and covered some pretty mind-blowing stuff, so enjoy. So David, we've been talking about something that you refer to as the Internet of Intelligence. Could you explain a little bit more what you mean about that? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, it's kind of exciting for us and it's an exciting time because, you know, if you think about the history of the Internet, uh, it was basically the idea of connecting uh, computers together, computers and devices. Um, and there was a fairly low level of connection, right? And as they, uh, as it kind of moved up and, and improved, uh, we had the web. You know, the web essentially allows you to display information. It was a syntax. A syntax means you can, you know, uh, display it in different places. You can make the font large, you can show a picture. But the computers themselves had no idea of what was being communicated. They just know how to present it. And, and furthermore, there was no meaning behind the language other than, again, presentation. So imagine, if you will, we had a network based on the same foundation, but now there's meaning behind the communication. So the computers, the data systems actually are cognizant 
of what's being exchanged. You know, this will enable the networking of artificial intelligences like we've networked computers. And so that is this vision of the Internet of Intelligence. So we can do a quick check in here. I, I thought it was going to be too fast or too soon, but I wanted to as well. I, I feel yeah. like that was a lot of information, yeah. a lot of big concepts, things here. And I want to see a real quick check in of how we feel about this. So <clears throat> deep breath. I've heard this before. And so I'm pretty on board with what you were talking about. <clears throat> Mike, how do you feel? Yeah, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, and I'm at like uh, five or six. You know, I understand. I think, I think my thing is, where is AI right now in your guys' minds compared to where what you're talking about is going? Like, what's the dissonance right now? If you could like explain that, we'll put a pin on that one first, CJ. Hey. So I don't know how to score this, but when you say that it went, during that initial speech, I went from very excited to a little bit scared immediately. So I'm really excited to see like, you know, <laughs> what we're getting into here. But uh, either way, it's sparking an emotion. So maybe uh, maybe six because I think I get it. But it's I, maybe I don't know what direction it goes in and how we round this thing off. So this is good. Phenomenal start. Yeah. And then did you want it one more time? What were you? What was your question? My, my question is really like. Again, what CJ is saying, very excited, not knowing where it's going, but like, where are we right now? So I can kind of grasp, you know, in the spectrum where AI is now versus what you guys are talking about um, for the future and for, for what Liquid is in comparison. Like how close? Yeah, like like this just actuality like is. the yeah how close how close and like where obviously it's like we're seeing what you know you're talking about the internet and connecting two computers together and like that changed everything right um where is ai is ai just the computer at this point and what liquid is is far more than that correct yeah so let me kind of uh just you know tease through these one at a time so you know uh into your analogy where is artificial intelligence now um you know this this analogy isn't perfect, but it's as, uh, you know, computers before the internet. So they're powerful machines able to do a lot of things, but you couldn't share information between them without having a common network and a protocol, a mechanism for them to communicate with each other. Okay. So that, you know, created this, you know, ability to have the internet and these, these connected or network systems. But, you know, artificial intelligence by and large are, are singular, uh, programs, uh, systems that you interact with, and they have some ability to mimic some of the capabilities of a person. But they tend to be uh, general, and they don't tend to, or I don't believe there's any capability right now, and that's where we come in, for having these AIs to talk to each other. So in other words, just as a company, and just as you guys have different skills, and you work together, and within a company, there's many people with different capabilities and skills, they work together, and you communicate. You talk to each other, you send emails, you share documents. These are things that you can understand. There is no such this system for artificial intelligences. So there is no common language for the AIs to talk to each other. They can't understand the documents they're looking at. Uh, they can send data back and forth, but they can't make heads or tails of it. And so people are left with creating these sort of monolithic artificial intelligences as opposed to having networks or communities of AIs that can solve problems by sharing capabilities. So we certainly see a lot of individual AIs 
with individual capabilities, but we do not yet see networks or communities of artificial intelligences that share abilities. So right now, each AI, to like simplify, each AI can learn and learn more by themselves, but they can never learn from another AI. Exactly. They can't learn from another AI. They can't perform a function the other AI uses because they have no easy mechanism to talk to each other. They can't form communities to solve problems. You imagine you might have an AI that's really good at like uh, creating colors or another one at fonts, another one at logos, and together they can do a branding, right? Uh, you know, for a label or for a company. So, you know, these are the sorts of things right now that are handled by individual systems and programs. And so that's why we refer to this as the internet of intelligence. It's not just data that goes back and forth, but it's knowledge that gets exchanged. I think one important distinction to amplify this is um, computers are in caveman mode relative to where we are now, right? So us developing this language actually allows for fruitful information to be passed back and forth where when you get inside of a model or representation, um, you know, Watson or other AIs that you're familiar with perhaps, um, the, you can't really intermix these things because there's never been a language where computers can actually say, let's hone in on a context, let's say finance and songwriting. There's no overlapping language to connect those models, right? They're different domains. So what do humans try to do? We try to find some sort of common ground to bridge the dialogue. And that's what we're doing here with Q is we're, we're allowing this data to kind of facilitate back and forth. Whereas normally, you know, they're isolated events or isolated domains that people don't intertwine. I noticed you said the word Q. What exactly is Q? Okay, the Q is our designation for the language that the AIs communicate with each other in, right? So it has a lot of the flexibility and richness of, of human languages, but it has enough structure and rigi uh, rigidity and um, understandability that the AIs can easily figure it out. So natural language understanding is traditionally very difficult for AI, so why force them to learn our languages? You know, why can't they have their own? So it'd be much more structured, easy to understand, easy to process, and therefore they can talk to each other uh, more, you know, more easily. Got it. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to see if I can kind of wrap this up in, in my own head here. Q is a language that AIs use to communicate with each other and to store knowledge and data. Correct. Is that correct? Great. So... Yeah. It's almost as if, now, uh, let me know if, because uh, this is an analogy I've, I've kind of used in my own way to understand this. Uh, right now, AI are kind of like dogs in that you say the word sit and it knows that when it puts its butt down, it gets a treat. And it, it, it does something based off of a command that you give it, but it doesn't necessarily understand what the word sit means. Um, whereas this is kind of like talking to a, um, a person almost where you say like, I need you to sit down because, um, guests are coming over. I don't know, because, because of X, Y, or Z, and it could actually understand via language what you mean. Is that, is that kind of, are we on the same page or is that? There's some similarity to that, and I think what we are talking about earlier is because you were talking about AIs learning from each other. You can imagine one has acquired uh, experiences, as you were talking about, you know, sitting down and, and what does that mean and, and who uses it and how often is it used. And then another uses the same word. It can share those um, 
So it's memories or so the history. So it have sort of a cognitive awareness of what that word meant. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, allowing them to have some ability to, you know, sort of mentally understand these disparate concepts in a shared way. Um, I want to jump back just for one second. You were talking about where is AI now and where do we envision it in the future? And I think a helpful analogy, at least in my mind, is AIs now are like computers were before the internet. You know, so they're very capable, but they're very isolated. And a long time ago, they used to be in special rooms and special cooling, only certain people can connect to them. Now, of course, they're everywhere. They're mobile, they're highly networked. This is where AIs are, AIs are now are kind of like where those computers were then. They're very wow. capable, they're kind of isolated, only certain people can actually access them and change things. And where we envision is where computers are now. They're ubiquitous, they're highly capable, they're networked everywhere. Um, and so that's what we believe is a transition, and, but we can't get there until they have a language, a, a mechanism to be able to share this information between them. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. So in, in that analogy then, are you gonna bell? You wanna I bell? was gonna bell it. Do it. All right, quick check-in guys. So let's take a deep breath. I'm feeling at around a eight or nine in comprehension. I feel like I'm I'm understanding this really well, and I'm focused and in. I'm at like an eight, but I want to. I think that the the next step I think is to take some tangible ideas and start to to talk about some some real world things. I think that's going to get me there. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Like I understand the concept, but then I'm trying to put it into a real world scenario. You know, what are the you know baseline obvious thing things that this can then can help immediately you know what yeah I'm at, you, I'm at like an eight or nine yeah i i understand the concept i understand where it's at um but to add to cj's i would love to hear about the real life application yeah the analogy of using computers where they are now versus where they were before and and showing the progression of ai as it communicates with its with other ai I think is spot on. You know, obviously, yeah. I don't need to tell you that, but keep using that as an analogy. I, I, I that made a lot of sense to yeah. me very quickly. And when Jared kind of first explained this, he was like, "Imagine uh, <laughs> sitting <even> down." <laughs> no, he, he, he's it was like, much more complex and not no, like yeah. that. <laughs> but like, but he's like, imagine sitting down with somebody and being like, "Hey, uh, nice computer, but did you know that we can connect this to another computer?" And someone's <laughs> like, "Why would we want to do that?" And he's like, "Well." Because like, it's going to change the world. And, and that's hard to understand. Like back then, it's like, well, why would we need these computers to talk to other computers? Like we already, they're already doing what we need them to do. Totally. Um, so, yeah. That was- I, I think a good segue from here really quick to, to kind of hone this in, because I think that you guys are pointing to something that David has experienced a lot of, which is why would you ever do that? You know, and I feel like being with being with David for for so long, I I'm starting to pick up on the the what ifs are like he's trying to put those into practice. And um, so I think David, if you could explain a couple things just that you've experienced through IoT, because I think it showcases some barriers that people have of like why does this even matter, um, and showcase some previous technology that he's deployed um, and what it's done today through Internet of Things. Yeah, how do you get us to that cool, but not get us into that I'm scared part, right? How do we like <laughs> actually, exist that's before the I'm but scared? That's actually a slightly different question. I do have an answer to that, at least I think I do, or at least a direction to go in. But uh, to, to your point of changes in experience, uh, that's kind of interesting because 
you know, I, I early on was trying to promote this idea. I called it the Internet of Physical Objects. Now, clearly that was a mouthful, you know, but a lot of people had a very negative response, you know, which is, uh, this has no value. Why would you ever want to do this? What value uh, do you see in, uh, in, in uh, you know, devices to or objects to the Internet? I don't really get it. I don't understand. And, um, you know, it took a while for people to grasp the concept and, you know, some specific examples helped. Uh, showing it working helped. Then people could start to understand it. Once they understood, then they understood, started to understand the magnitude of where Internet of Things could end up. Uh, which, of course, right now, most people understand that's kind of an immense um, capability. But quite frankly, you know, there's Internet of uh, Things, IoT, but Internet of Intelligence, I would argue, is substantially larger by many orders of magnitude, both in scope and in impact uh, than physical objects. But they do work together. I mean, that's, that's kind of another topic of how you can have uh, devices and objects work with this IOI uh, in vision. So... So I want to touch back on the Internet of Things because I think we're taking that a little bit for granted for the average person in understanding what the Internet of Things is. Um, so the way I think the average person would know of the Internet of Things might be like the idea of Alexa talking to your lights, right? Alexa is a thing and your lights are a thing. So... Those things communicating with each other, having Alexa turn on my lights, that is functioning within the Internet of Things, correct? So what? how else can you describe the Internet of Things? Well, okay, so that's kind of going back to uh, this. these ideas were conceived in the late 90s, but then the Internet was booming. Uh, we hadn't hit the, that big you know, fall off in 2000. And so it was very exciting. People were talking about networking, uh, everything. But you, then you started to realize, well, you're networking a lot of information. But the things that most, most people care about, you know, food, uh, objects, your house, your, you know, your lawn, whatever, all those physical objects had no connection to the Internet. So that was the original thought. It's like, well, what if we connected physical objects to the Internet? What would happen then? So you can imagine if I could connect, uh, like, products in a grocery store to the internet, I could just walk out the door because they everything would know where it is. So it would know it's in your cart and immediately do checkout. As it's moved from the shelf, it would know it would be missing and it could be uh, filled in automatically. So the business value was substantial. The ability to connect things in your house, as you talked about, uh, smart home was one of the first uh, ideas of using uh, internet of things, which is your lights, uh, the heating system, yeah, even your windows uh, that can be automated, these things could be networked together. So, you know, it took people a while, however, to kind of wrap their heads around why connecting physical objects to the internet would actually be helpful. And I see this uh, analogously here that we're having a little bit of a hard time thinking, why would you want to connect artificial intelligence together? So. Check in. How are you feeling? I'm at about a, about a nine. Yeah. I'm on point. Yep. Yeah. Feeling good? Love yeah. that. Okay. Hopefully, and is this helping you guys kind of like when we tell you where we are? Is that, is that oh, help yeah, you absolutely. guys? All right. Immens awesome. Immensely. Great. You know Great. when to dive deeper. Great. So I, I really want to do, um, I want to I talk about 
because right now we think of smart homes with IoT, and I think that's a, a people get that they have. Oh, okay, we have smart things in our house, and they do things. How can IOI step that up? Now, let's say just specifically in the smart home world, how can let, let's let's do some maybe some what ifs of uh, how exactly how yeah. the Internet of Intelligence can step up your daily life in a smart home. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a stab at that, and but there's so many other examples uh, besides the home. Hit us with a bunch. Great, quick hit, fire. Hit us with hit us with the home first. Quick fire. Okay, so uh, within your home, um, you know, you have things like um, that sometimes wear out. You have um, devices. You have your your um, your washing machine that may break, and you want to say, hey, I got to call somebody out. I got to I got to do something about that. So you're seeing how the Internet of Things could say, well, I'm broken. And then it needs to communicate with something that tries to figure out what is the best way to get that thing fixed. Can you do it yourself? If you can do it yourself, can you find the parts? Should you get somebody to do it for you? What's their schedule look like? All of a sudden you realize there's a lot of complex data systems that need to be managed by intelligent systems to make the best decisions. Right now we kind of do that by hand. You might say, yeah. huh, my, it's broken. Well, let me, let me type into Google, you know, uh, repair, and then the town you're in, and it would try to figure that out. We're talking about something that would do it for you. That's amazing. Yeah. Ring. Yeah. So, all right. So, what if, right? <laughs> smoke detector, right? So, uh, right now, the smoke detector runs out of batteries and just beeps at you, right? It barks at you and says it's broken and needs to be fixed. Until you can't take it Until anymore. Until you can't take it any longer, <laughs> right? Where the evolution of that would be on your smartphone, it pulls up a short list okay your smoke detector is going to run out of batteries here are the three different ways to fix this here is the level of activity you have to participate in here's the cost like okay you could change it yourself if you have a battery that's the cheapest option that's a if you don't have any time in the world and you need somebody to come it'll call somebody and set up that time for you that's b and it'll give you efficient solutions to be able to solve that problem based on communicating with other technologies that have gone through that process before and understood what the best scenario or the best avenue for success is. And then it gives the user, the human, different choices with different parameters to help better and more intelligently make a decision supported by technology that is now smarter than before. It doesn't just say, I'm broken, fix me. It says, I'm broken. Here are the the most probable solutions to be the most efficient in getting me back up and running. Yeah, and even push that further. So we're talking about push. AIs, of course, that you can talk to that understand you. So a, li a liaison uh, to this uh, Internet of Intelligence. So you imagine this uh, IOI as being a, a large sea of uh, AIs that have different capabilities that are working together. You mentioned some. But then you may have one that you work with directly, and maybe it's like a home manager, and it has a list of things, and you can talk to it. It would say, hey, there's a few things you should be aware of. Uh, the smoke detector is is kind of running out of batteries. I've already ordered you a new battery. Or, by the way, you have some downstairs. Or, I know you don't have time to do this. I've already set up um, somebody to come in the house that you, you know you trust in the service that we have that will do it for you. It's like, oh, great. And it kind of goes through the whole list. So it's not just the one, but it's the whole right. litany of things that you need CJ. to manage. The garage door is broken again. Based on last time when you tried to fix it for 8.6 hours and then had to call someone, we've gone ahead and just scheduled that for you for next Saturday. I know you'll be home right after the dogs yes. walked. And, and we scheduled someone different to yeah. avoid the embarrassment of A little last bit sarcastic, time. but effective. All right. Well, what, I, what I hear when I'm listening is just like to recap a little bit is something like all of us have talked about at, at some point is as technology 
uh, evolves and as our lives get busier, the decision fatigue is so uh, mm. debilitating. Um, having to figure out and make decisions for every single thing is exhausting. And basically, this liquid technology can just alleviate some of that that painful decision making of every single thing in your life. Um, is that like is that pretty correct? Yeah. And the other thing to point out is, of course, the things that we were mentioning. You know, you could build something to do that now. I mean, but that's the point. It would be like an isolated, uh, singular system just to do that thing. Sure. And you take a problem with it. You say, well, you know, the last that thing that you built it doesn't work very well. And you and it's hard to plug in another one. A, a good example would be, um, you imagine uh, before the internet, you have just some fixed news sources. I mean, you can't get news anywhere. There are only certain places where it comes. Now, of course, you can get it everywhere. But you get a better sense because there's different points of view of what's going on. Well, here, you know, in our vision, you would have other people that could do better uh, home management systems. And you say, well, let's use somebody else's. And it plugs in immediately to all the other intelligence systems. So it's not just a one-off solution. You have the capability to have uh, a system where you can pull in the best of all worlds. And then these, since they can talk to each other, some can come out and some can come in, and the whole system improves uh, dramatically. You're prompted with a notification to improve your life one way or another because someone somewhere in the world figured something out and the intelligence, the artificial intelligence was able to pick up on that, learn that habit and was able to share it with your artificial intelligence who's able to present it to you to make it more efficient what you do. And there might be ones that are, you know, even better, like something came along that some people are using and now this thing starts to wrap on itself, right? You can have an yeah. AI whose job it is to go off and look for other AIs. So an yeah. AI who recruits AIs into your cool. system, because it's always looking around. You know, I know, you know, maybe you guys do what I do. You, you look at the news, you look at trends, you're trying to figure out what's going on, but you're doing that and that's great. But imagine you have an AI doing the same. Mm -hmm. The AI is going out looking for trends, new AIs, and then say, you know, either come up with uh, their suggestions for you or offer them to you and say, yeah, go ahead and do that. So your system is self-improving. Amazing. I think and, whether, Dave, one of the other big things, was... sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go, go for it, Trevor. No, I was just going to say that, you know, we're talking about smart homes, and I think the, the smoke detector was an interesting, um, you know, identifiable object. But I think one of the things that really brings this to root is the fact that what happens when one thing relies on another? So let's say that you have, like, an electrical issue, and it's really that there's water that's leaking underneath your home, and it's causing an electrical problem. Those two things, if there's any sort of tracking system on them or any sort of IoT infrastructure in your house, they don't communicate with each other. So if you're saying, oh, I've got an electrical shortage and now you've got a water problem, those things can be proactive. So as soon as you've got a water leak, you say, oh, it's connected or close to the electrical in your house, you might start having shortages in your house. And this is where simulation and things that get much more, I guess, esoteric. So we, we don't necessarily have to go into the craziness of it. Um, but this is where you can start to actually expect to the point about the battery and changing the battery out, you can start to actually model things that are contingent upon each other um, rather than just isolated events, which is really, really cool. Right. Something as simple as, you know, shingles on the roof are getting too old um, and you're living in an area with high amounts of rain. Um, 
before you know it, you're going to have issues, you're going to have problems. So being proactive and saving money long term, you know, in the long run, right? It's like the the buy nicer, buy twice. Like, like do it now because it's going to cost you more if you wait. And then you'll need to replace the roof. He's saying that the roof talks to like the electrical system right. underneath the roof. And when the electrical system starts to hear a short, it can talk to the roof system and the roof system can be like, well, we, you know, we're missing a tile here. That's probably the reason. And then it can diagnose for you probable solutions based on the aggregate of both of those and what other roof electrical systems yeah. around the world have been able to tell it. That's, that's fascinating. That's, that's one. And then, you know, depending on how hard, hard you want to push it, um, you know, you can look at sort of weather patterns. When is it actually a good time to replace it? Are, are you in the spring or the fall? I mean, um, yeah, there's a 43% chance you're going to get a leak this season if you don't fix your roof. It's yeah, like, exactly. I mean, this is where, you know, every time we were talking about that, you, the fact that you can build uh, systems like this today, uh, you can build isolated systems like, you know, the, the intelligence systems I was talking about. It takes a lot of work and you get to dedicate a lot of time to it. But when you build these things, you almost always say, hey, I need to connect to something else. I need to put this other capability in it. And all of a sudden, this thing grows and grows and grows. And that's where all of these projects kind of end up. However, I have the capability just to tap into somebody else's information or knowledge system. I wouldn't need to do that. I could just ask them. So if that thing yeah. needed weather, it could go ask the weather AI. If it needed climate, go ask the climate AI. If it needs to actually replace something, it goes to the, um, you know, the repair AI that looks for the best bargains and the people available and schedule something. So, so it's a network of intelligence. It makes the value almost exponential versus a function of activity, right? Right now, the really value of, of interconnected technology is really a product of how much you interact with it. And the net effect, it still requires interaction for its most effective use, where there could be an exponential shift in how you change your habits based on the, 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 the technology getting out right. in front. You know, once you introduce the system and you have more and more intelligent uh, AIs that are talking to each other, the power of the system grows exponentially, as you said. Mm -hmm. I think this is a really good time to check in. How are we doing? Yeah, really good. Yeah. Really good? Great. I want to start talking about how, how we prevent it from getting scary. I was I was yeah. about to go into this. So we we just we as a recap, we were really talking about smart homes and in that as a reference. But I really want to push the gas pedal now. I think we're on a good place to understand this a little bit more. Where a where does this get scary? B what is the Internet of Automation? And uh, I guess the the where can you see this uh, on a on a final vision? Like where, how can this like like really push us on this one? Uh, you can take it whatever direction you want. Yeah, you brought up a lot of things all at once. Yeah. So, Do the scary thing first, and then you, we'll pivot to the. You guys the also type of need bells. That's what I'm hearing. Let me, <laughs> let me give you like an example that I think of right away. Right, so I, I I like fitness. I'm a I'm a human that likes fitness. I turn on my 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 uh, uh, Christopher Columbus in, of in the internet to go and seek out all the best advice and best functionality for me to to take in my, uh, to take in the best possible knowledge to, to pursue my, my hobby of fitness, right? I see it getting scary when I'm inundated with so much information or I'm required to change so much or on an ongoing basis that I can't keep up with it. It becomes a detriment to my decision-making process because the evolution comes so much faster than I can keep up with. Like I, I'm told to eat this way and then four days later, somebody in Timbuktu figured out a way to do it better and I have to change it then and I have to change it then. Like 
how far are we from having that technology understand where our limitations are to help us be on that efficient frontier and not be above or below it, right? That's where I get scared. I think one of the problems now is we don't have this technology. That's a problem. You're always getting you know, inundated with things popping up. I mean, it's kind of funny. Anytime you go to anywhere on the internet, the desire for whatever site you go to is to have you go to some other site. And it doesn't matter which one you go to. Oh, click on this. I don't want to click on that. I want to do this thing. And so if you imagine, imagine you have an, an AI that actually understood you or people in general, and you in particular, it would be able to filter out and provide you with the mm -hmm. sort of information that you can ingest and understand. I think we're exactly the opposite of what we need to be. Um, you know, it's like everybody is going to be ADD because you're forced to do all these different things. And that's kind of the way it's set up now. Um, but we can do something totally different. But you mentioned another thing. You talked about fitness. And that's, this is where I uh, had spent a little bit of time. Uh, and working on some projects in and around uh, fitness, wellness, nutrition, and so on. Yeah. But uh, nutrition is a fairly rich and complex, um, you know, field that you would need an expert hint AI that can then help you hone your meal plans around things that you know are best for you. Right. You need an AI just to go out there and tell us whether or not we should be eating eggs or not. Right. That's like a full time AI job right there. <laughs> exactly. I mean, new information comes up, you know, you might go to Reddit or, you know, some subreddit that gives. Right. Them but it could filter it for you and then offer you recommendations that aren't, you know, owners, you know, and then you can take all this and you happen to go out to eat. Maybe you go to a fast food place or maybe you go out with your friends and say, what's good for me here? Well, it would know what's mm -hmm. good for you based on where you are, your, you know, you know, eating preferences, the flavors you like, uh, what's most healthy in your, you know, what you're currently doing. And it, so that AI included things about restaurants, things about nutrition, things about working out, things about you know, looking for new information and was synthesizing it to give you the best information that you can possibly get. Interesting. Amazing. And so you don't see that becoming too much where it doesn't know when to stop and doesn't know when what's healthiest for the individual, right? Because I think that's where we are right now. Go ahead. Because there, there's nothing, there's no stopping people just making really cluttered sites with advertising and things pointing you in different right. directions. That's the problem. I completely agree with you, right? And that's one of the things we talk about a lot, right? Like right now we're being inundated with so much that we can't process it and it's going to end to our demise, right? How do we create this pivot and with the internet and with technology and with the way that we interact with the internet of things so that we can produce less chaos and less static and more sound functional decision making, right? Like take, take the internet and instead of pushing us to be chaos, push us to be better at what we want to be better at, right? I totally agree. And I think this is a powerful distinction because the internet today is just around uh, data that goes back and forth that the computers themselves can't understand. And the only people that aren't going to understand it are you. And so with a flood of data, you're going to be, you know, it's a tsunami of information that you need to weed through. With the thing that we're talking about, turning that you know, just data into knowledge and having AI systems that can comprehend it, it can filter that knowing, you know, your preferences so you're not uh, inundated. It can be just the information that you want, uh, as opposed to just people blasting the stuff with that, that they want. Gotcha. I think what, one of the things that we talked about quite a while ago um, in thinking through what would an advanced platform look like, right? So we've got browsers, we've got Windows, we've got iOS. And one thing that David and I got into, and I think Jared was a part of this discussion, is just the, the lack of respect that systems in general have for your 
sensory overload, right? So like, let's say you're working and then all of a sudden like Slack pops up and you've got emails coming left, you've got ping, ping everywhere. And I think that that just goes to show that systems have a lot of room to grow to figure out how to tailor your productivity. And I think what's really interesting moving forward is when you encompass IOI with a, you know, let's just say a hardware or software that can actually figure out when you're starting to type a little bit slower and figure out when you're starting to slouch and your, your body language is starting to get a little bit lazy because you're tired and you're fatigued. I think that same type of data and information can give the system insight to be able to say, hey, man, go for a 15 minute walk and, you know, I'll take care of whatever you're researching right now. And then it goes out and by the time you get back, it pulls cool information that you were needing to get done anyway, and you're back on your grind. I think this is a big disconnect between systems and humans that you know, Elon talks a lot about how, you know, you got to figure out how to be a cyborg, but it really, there is really a symbiosis that still has yet to be really presented to us in a way that we can be accepting towards it and, and it be fruitful for both parties. Because as you can see right now, people are addicted to their phone, people are addicted to technology. And so it's like, where can we have this relationship where we're not harming ourselves and we're not taking a ton of the time away from other people and connecting back with reality? Yeah, I mean, to even kind of um, just add to that, you know, computers right now, they're not really, they're not actually helping you. They're, they're flooding you with data, but they're, they have, they're not cognizant of where you are and what you're, tasks. you're doing. And it's kind of, you know, sometimes they use video game-like analogies. I mean, imagine, you know, you're in a game, uh, there's a lot of other people, but you have a whole bunch of, you know, non-player characters that are working with you and that are not idiots, they're really smart. So imagine that sort of thing where you have things that are actually helping you do the things that you want to do anyway and provide a liaison between you and all the other, you know, stuff that, you know, is flying your way. And so that's kind of a, a positive vision as well. I've got a what if based off of a what if based off of the, uh, the, the thread that Trevor was on about the workplace and knowing when you're slouching or when you're typing a little bit slower. What if you're watching TV and you uh, are watching a movie and you start to nod off a little bit and the TV actually pauses the movie and then your watch gives you a, a quick little buzz saying it's time for bed and then you realize, oh yeah, wow, I am, I am a little bit sleepy here. You start to walk upstairs, the lights turn off, uh, everything shuts down and the um, rain sleep sounds start to play in your bedroom and you are able to just go right to bed uh, after, once, once you brush your teeth actually, the toothbrush <laughs> talks to your lights to turn off, turn down the lights to a certain level and then you go to sleep. Um, so you can watch the movie next time. I like uh, that gentle nudge to brush your teeth too. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta brush your teeth before you go. And yeah. then your refrigerator locks so you can't <laughs> you know, being a nanny to you. But uh, on, on the other side, uh, right now, a system, they're completely, you know, unaware of what you're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you could be, uh, for example, in a podcast, in, in exciting, fun conversation, you get a bunch of Slack messages and people are texting you and stuff, oh, which just happened. So, <laughs> right. you know, if you had an, if an AI, it would actually say, you know what, I will hold off on that. I don't need to buzz you. You don't need to, you know, see these messages. When you're done with this, uh, here's some things. And you don't need to look at all of them either. You know, these are the ones of priority, these you can put off. It's like, yeah, you know, again, you could build these as single individual uh, systems, but we're not talking about a single individual system. We're talking about an entire infrastructure that allows these intelligent AIs to talk to each other that creates the environment that lets that happen. So, 
I think is, one, one interesting bit, because we were talking monolithic, I heard that come up earlier, the monolithic AI. Um, we really want to emphasize that, you know, if, if we can really think about a distributed networks, similar to the way that people say distributed ledger for blockchain or, or what have you, right? Having a distributed network of AI that isn't the big monolithic scary terminator, that's what we really want to gun for, right? They have specialized skills and they tap a network to say, hey, can, can we do this? And there's logs of the information and conversation that happens between these AIs. And it, it, I can see where the snowball effect happens in, in terms of media scaring people and turning people off to the idea of AI, because if, if you don't know the mechanics of where AI is right now, I mean, David, uh, AI has been around since what, the 50s, 40s, 50s? So, well, I mean, you know, AI has always been this, yeah, blow up and then expectations are way higher. We expect the world to end and then kind of somebody pops the balloon and says, hey, come back to reality. It's advanced statistics and we're pushing it through a machine. Um, and, and I think that that just goes back to show that um, we are still leaps and bounds from the real big scary AI because a lot of this is mathematics. But until you bring a language to these systems, there's no actually co there's no cognition, right? Like people are afraid of Alexa listening to me. You know, all it is is it's running through a machine and seeing how many instances it can match to what you're trying to say and find an intent pattern or what you're trying to ask. There's no actual contextual understanding of, hey, like, I need a new toothbrush, order me one on Amazon. It's just that there have been 50,000 people that have said that one line, and it matches up with an order to, to Jared's point, it's like telling a dog to sit. Once you train it 20,000 times, of course, it's going to sit when you give it a treat afterwards. So it's that understanding that basis of where AI is right now. I mean, and there's great advancements, but I think there's a big uh, misunderstanding between artificial intelligence and what everybody perceives it to be and automation. Um, and that's where we are right now is we're at that crossroad where we're trying to actually get to that next level. So is that scary though? Uh, like, is that a fear? You know, if, if AI understands you, it's, is it, is, is the argument, it's no different than me understanding anyone and choosing to do something bad or something good, like having choice, where does that come up in the equation is is it comprehension without choice is that where what you're talking about or is it is it both it's an algorithmic aggregation of of information to help you make better choices it doesn't have its yeah i think right now it's probably more choice process. i think if david i don't know what your thought i think it's probably more choice i think once you get into actionable decisions where there's morality involved per se uh, and this is where we get into like internet of automation, which I think we, we, we should talk about a little bit here in a bit. But um, I would say at this point, it's more choice. But again, these models that can run simulations on disparate data sets, the question becomes like, do you want this biased data to affect your model? And that's, that's a human decision still, I think that, that, gotcha. that barriers that. I, so I want to do a real touchback because I think we, we, we're circling around this, but I really want to hit this hard about language and how powerful language actually is. Um, with humans, when we developed language, we built civilization. We were able to work with one another via communication. I'm, about, I'm able to say something and you're able to understand something and make actions based off of that. We are now giving language to artificial intelligence. That's a huge step there. So what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on how 
I mean, what, what other things have language? I mean, it's. Yeah. So you, there's, there's something I was going to switch gears anyway, and then you, this is, this is a good segue. So to enable what we're talking about, to allow computers to be networked right at the beginning of the internet, you needed some sort of protocol, you know, some sort of language to uh, allow that to happen. The web needed some sort of language to present information. So HTML that you guys are familiar with allows you to visualize that. Um, so the AIs to network would necessarily need something they can understand, something that would be common, that's the language. Um, so in a, what we we're talking about earlier is that does create a powerful uh, change uh, in capability from you know, individual intelligence to uh, arguably a huge uh, network of AI agents that are gonna help you. Now, here's the thing, there was, there was the, you know, this sounds kind of scary and maybe they're, they're controlling me and so on, but there, there's a flip side to this and I think a much more positive uh, spin on it. Um, you know, CJ, you were talking about uh, being into health and nutrition, exercise and so on. You have certain aspirations, certain things that you wanna do. And a lot of us do, a lot of us have visions and ideas, things we wanna achieve. But to achieve them takes a lot of work. You might need expertise you don't have. You might need information and services that are unavailable to you. If you have this intelligent network, you can tap into some of those things that you don't necessarily have access to or capabilities in to achieve your visions and the goals that you have. So in the case of nutrition um, or in, in wellness, you, you might find there's something out there that actually is fantastic. You just are unaware of it. If AI could find it for you and find an exercise program, or maybe something you're doing now that is actually uh, detrimental, but you didn't know that, um, they can find that for you. So as opposed to something that's controlling you, you actually are more in control and you are more enabled by having a network of intelligent machines than the other way around. You can achieve the goals that we talked about, make your dreams come true. So you have a vision, you have something you wanna do, you have now, uh, you can tap into an intelligent network that can give you the capabilities that you couldn't have done otherwise. Right. So I, it's just a different way to look at it. I think about that friend like 15 or 20 years ago that always had that great music that no one had heard before. And you, you know, they may be annoying, but you have them stick around because they just have phenomenal music and you don't know how they can go find it. You don't know where it came from. They always have it first, right? Like yeah. you're like, Joey's a pain in the ass, but man, his music skills are ridiculous. And it's so hard to go find the best music. So you keep them around. It's like, you're basically creating that for anything that you intend to wake up and do. For yeah. And then of course, you know, starting companies and, and, you know, building, you know, machines and automation and so on, you run up against a lot of things. It's like, well, I need to work with other people. You have different skills than I do. Uh, I need to, um, you know, maybe you want to patent it and, you know, getting patents is difficult and maybe you want to brand it and getting brands are difficult. And you guys do this too. You're like trademarks. You know, can I just say that? Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, if you had these AIs that can make, you know, that easier for you, you can achieve the goals you're trying to achieve much faster. Or you, you know, you spend a lot of time going in down in directions like I couldn't, I can't go down there because somebody's already done it. But well, he helped them to know that from the get go. So these are sort of tools and capabilities that can make the things you want to do, you know, a reality. Then that, that's how I think it goes from like cool to scary, right? It's scary when you're reliant upon the technology without being able to truly audit where the information came from to to control what you do in your life, right? But it's not scary to have something that's believable at your side to always help you fully understand the decision that you're making so that you can make the best decision for yourself. And it knows you, right? Like 
I imagine the, the dog scenario, right? Like the internet right now is you tell the dog to sit and it sits. Imagine if the dog understood when you were thirsty or you haven't drank water in a while, it goes to the, the kitchen and gets you a glass of water and it gives you a statistic about if you don't drink this water, what it could do to you and the probability you're going to get a headache, right? Like, like that's basically, that's what it's doing. It's not telling you have to drink water and you have to rely on it and then it kills you because it tells you to drink 80 glasses of water in a day and you don't know any better, <laughs> right? It's giving you the power to fully understand the decision that you should make for yourself and then it gives you the free will to make that decision whatever you do as a human you do as a human but it makes you a better decision power to maker accurately critically think yeah yeah Which Find, is like it gets the truth yeah. and then it presents you the truth and then you make a decision based on what you want and, and perhaps if it's hard to find factual evidence it promotes anecdotal evidence right like hey here are the things that you need if, if it can't find a definitive representation you know, it can give the user and say, hey, look, so I've got I've got two things here. I've done as much as I can do. Here are the two most powerful statements on each side, because we know everything's not black and white. There is gray that that we as, as individuals and humans will always still have to make at the end of the day. So being able to represent as much um, human ability to still have that decision power at the end of the day is is basically prime. We, we need that. I think that that's yeah. if we start getting away from decision making entirely. I don't know what would become of us. <laughs> right, right. You know, but it, but in knowing right you, now, too. There are AIs that come from, you know, large uh, entities uh, because it takes a lot of, of work to do. What we're talking about with the network of these things is the ability to democratize this and have a lot of people creating these AIs. You, you might have one, you say, you know, I don't like this one at all. You know, it's kind of controlling me. And I, I don't, you know, in other words, you can pick and choose the ones that are most effective for you and have those network in with ones that are most effective for it as opposed to coming from single sources. So we're talking about like small, you know, we, we've, we've been talking about a lot of examples and they are still kind of in the same realm of like size of ideas. I know David, before we even started talking about like the in home, you were, you were like, I can give some home examples, but there's actually like far bigger examples outside of the home. Like I would love to hear where you were going to go with that um, of how like liquid can, kind of just like society as a whole can benefit. Yeah, I think that's a good climax. Let's go to the big picture stuff. Yeah, big picture. Yeah, I, there, there's a lot. I mean, you can just kind of pick and choose. I mean, there's a lot of decisions that get made at a very high level based on anecdotal evidence and sort of gut feel. But you never or rarely hear about the unintended consequences. Like if we do this, what might happen? Uh, these are terms of things like environment. Uh, you know, monetary policies, um, just things about, you know, health. We talked about a lot about, you know, COVID is, is, um, is the mask good or bad? Remember that there was a certain period of time where people didn't think it made that much of a difference? Well, guess what? It did. But if that information was uh, vetted and understood and distributed in a fast way, it could have made the difference between, you know, arguably hundreds of thousands of lives uh, worldwide. I mean, this, this is a pretty big deal. Um, so, you know, the ability to have the, you know, health information, uh, you know, weather information uh, that can be synthesized uh, together, that can be, you know, extremely, uh, extremely helpful that you wouldn't have got otherwise. Let me, let me give you a specific example. Early on when people with the healthcare providers were treating uh, COVID patients, they didn't know what to do. And they would try things and some things would work and some things would, would not. And the way they shared that information is they would tweet it. And then other healthcare providers would look at that tweet and say, well, why don't we give that a try? 
what if you had an intelligent network, which was just gathering all the information from all the healthcare facilities and saying, you know what, I found things that actually do work and then distribute that as information to the healthcare providers on the front lines, as opposed to just tweeting it uh, point-wise. So you right. can see this, you know, things like this can have a huge uh, impact uh, nationally and globally. Or leaving it to private companies to decide what information gets out and what doesn't, right? Nobody, they don't even want that liability, let alone their ability to handle that or not. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I feel like we're getting into a, we, we have a really good, well, let's do a quick check-in. <laughs> Deep breath. Deep breath. <laughs> I am feeling focused, calm. And I am at a nine out of ten in comprehension. I'm I'm just really excited. Like I just want to talk about a million examples of how we can use this technology in uh, everyday life. Um, comprehension wise, I'm like yeah, I'm at like a nine. I'll go with an eight because I feel like you guys are we're overachieving. <laughs> I know we're like when it comes to this. Uh, we're wide eyed. I, I, I want to know how we can help. All right, guys, so how have you guys implemented this technology thus far, and where are you on your journey from, on a scale of 1 to 10, you think, in terms of your final vision? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It might be a little bit hard to rank it because it's not necessarily a linear uh, progression, but let me kind of give you an idea. So we started out with kind of the big picture and tried to get people excited about that. And quite frankly, I, it was probably a little too early. Uh, people were still trying to wrap their heads around uh, IoT, um, and you know they're just looking at big data, and it was and it was a little early. So, uh, a lot. I spent a lot of time looking or taking elements of that technology, not the whole thing, but just parts of it, and applying them in different places. Applied them to in, in governmental work, in, in defense. Uh, applied them in healthcare. Uh, applied them in, in energy, uh, nutrition, wellness. Uh, even, um, you know, even retail and, and fast food. So there's different places that elements of that technology have been applied, but we can take the larger, uh, you know, collection of those technologies to enable the vision we're talking about, not just point solutions within particular industries. So it's kind of the transition between, say, you imagine that you have the idea for the internet and you show it off uh, for a nutrition app and you say, look, we can have a website between two. This is not exactly analogous, but you kind of get the idea. And then you show it in another domain, show it in another domain. And then at some point you say, you know what? There's a bigger idea here. I think we can share this globally. We can build general systems to support it. And that's kind of, the, that's kind of where we are right now. So some things have been really far along in terms of honest to goodness products and applications that people are using today. And the bigger vision stuff in terms of taking it all uh, together and deploying general apps, we're only now starting. So we're taking the learnings from industries and then applying them to general solutions. Excellent. Good answer. We know the idea and we, we have a good sense of uh, where this can go, but what do you guys need to get this stepped up in the next, um, to the next gear, to the next? Yeah. Well, let me answer in general, and maybe uh, Trevor, you can talk about some specifics as well, and we can kind of come together and you know, talk about uh, what we'd like to see this. But uh, you know, starting any uh, you know venture, any idea, any is usually very small. So with IoT, it started with just uh, me uh, at the very very beginning, and then uh, two people, 
and then three, and then four, and then it grew. Uh, in our final meetings, we had many thousands of people uh, that were part of it, and it's sort of impact. It took a while, of course, but its impact is, is somewhat global. So things start small and then they grow. This actually has the advantage of growing more rapidly. Uh, with this concept of networking physical objects, you had the complexity of actually putting something on an object, putting that object and connecting it to something that can read its you know, position and identity. Whereas this is more of an informational uh, concept. It's based on knowledge and intelligence and algorithm. Um, and there's a lot of platforms you already have. So we can actually move substantially faster. And I think its impact will actually be larger. So you have a win-win. Uh, in terms of you know speed to market, so uh, part of it in terms of you know getting from a team that we have to a team we need is getting the idea out there, getting the sort of the buzz going. People know what you're trying to do, and people get excited and they start to generate ideas. How can I apply that in my industry? How can I apply it in my daily life? What are the things that we're going to need? And let's make those things a reality because that will give us some direction as well. Because quite frankly. We've had about as many ideas in as many industries as there are industries. Mm -hmm. We've found there, there's very few industries that couldn't use something like this. Right. Whether it be healthcare, legal, government, insurance, defense, uh, chemistry, um, you know, hospital care, retail, transportation, logistics, and you just kind of like rattle through them all. And then, you know, subdomains and subdomains. You think there's nothing wouldn't be touched by the ability for computers to comprehend what you're trying to achieve and having those things talk to each other in a language that they can understand. So it cuts across nearly every industry. So would you say you're trying, are you trying to grow the team? Are you looking for partnerships? If we were to have somebody, if you, when we have you come back on, hopefully, uh, and we were to bring somebody else along to introduce you to and have you guys kind of riff with each other in this arena, who would be a, an ideal person that could that could get legs and, and make moves with you? Um, I'm gonna have I have some ideas on that. I'm gonna have Trevor, you know, talk to that as well about cool. like what you know we conceive collectively as the next step, and then we can talk about well, how can we you know as a group, you know, get to the next uh, tier? Yeah, yeah, I think what. One of the things that we've we've done a lot of research on and spent a lot of time, as David has alluded to, he's he's been in a various, you know, vast domains in different depths. Um, and I think one thing that's interesting is that to his point, there's there's a lot of core competencies that can be dragged across multiple industries. And I think what's so exciting here is that um, what we're trying to do as a first step is really figure out what what is crucial for a person to succeed or to start a business, right? I think entrepreneurship is one of the most strenuous, grit-worthy um, endeavors that any person could ever take on. And so the question that we're trying to solve is like, if how could we get a, a, a platform or tool that represents the entrepreneur, but also can be used as a commercial deployment product? And it's agnostic, right? Like what, what are the tool belt, you know, we think of you know, the, the, the dad on Sunday going out with his tool belt and you know, keeping the handiwork around the house, we want to be that tool belt for everybody, right? That general purpose tool belt that people can say, hey, like if I wanted to start an app or a songwriting app, you know, what, what does that look like? And a lot of what we're finding is as we've done this, there are overlapping components that are needed across all of them. And so in the process of doing so, building a team that understands that is actually a little bit more difficult than you would think because a lot of people have this mindset of one track 
like, oh, we're developing this one app, right? Like you've got Uber and then you've got uh, Yelp and you've got all these singular applications and there's not a lot of people who can sit back and say, the general purpose of this is to create multiple facet tool sets that aren't domain specific. And that's, and that's difficult to come by. It's re it really is. It's difficult to get people out of the comfort zone. I, I would say generalist, but it's people are, are really good at honing in their craft, but then when they come out, it's sometimes difficult to get them to cross fears um, and get into a new thing. Um, so I would say just in general is, is, you know, things like this are immensely helpful because when we understand that we're communicating clearly to you all, um, that doesn't, that doesn't happen every day for us. Cause we're, you know, we're talking to each other and we're going heads down. So obviously buzz, um, you know, affirmation that what we're doing makes sense to the general public. Um, and then also, you know, what things, you know, like Jared, the perfect instance, what if, right? Like we want to hear those things because those are the things that drive us forward. I mean, we were talking a while back about uh, the internet of automation and one of the biggest problems that interplanetary um, automation has a problem with is that the way that communication systems lag. So once you start doing simulations on like the moon or Mars, um, you don't have to have people uh, having a 15 minute communication delay back and forth and your rovers in a ditch, right? You can actually have these physical objects have intelligence happen in networks that can run these contextual simulations with variables that normally would have to be communicated back and forth. So there's a lot of exciting stuff and it's, it's always interesting to get people's perspective on that. And it keeps us going, I think as well as like the resources are, are a big aspect of this, but also the wherewithal to, I, I can't imagine what David went through with IOT, but getting this off the ground is so important and vital to humanity moving forward in, in technological advances. But again, it's, it's just so difficult to get people's mind wrapped around it clearly. And so, um, you know, it's really helpful to do these types of things as well. Beautiful. I yeah. love it. So you need you need energy towards the message, what ifs, people talking about it, buzz, and surprisingly a difficult sales plug, you need people that don't want to work on a link of the chain but be part of the entire ecosystem for change, which sounds like a pretty darn good advertisement for a team position if in some for someone in this space, right? I feel like the opposite is abundant. <laughs> we talk to uh a lot of investors or people that are, you know, thinking about you know, creating companies, they typically want to have something very specific. You know, you're, you're building like a face Twitter or something very, and, and, something and, you, and you get it out there. Not, nothing against that. I'm just saying that, you know, it's, it's difficult to um, try to develop a general purpose technology because the, the, you know, the drive is always, can you show it? Can you just do it in this one industry? It's kind of like you're trying to build the first uh, web browser. I said, oh, I, that's a nice web browser you built, but, you know, is it going to, can I just have it work in the insurance industry only? It's like, no, you know, it's, it's for other things as well. I mean, this is kind of the same uh, boat that we're in. We, you know, leave this to the general purpose technology and you can see its application everywhere. And we started to build these general deployments, both in the platform that these AIs will run on, the language that they communicate with each other, and the way that it interacts with you these are things that we built um, right now, and we need to get them to the next level and then deployed um, more globally. So that's kind of where we're at and where we need to be. So at this point, is it is it people need to start, A, they need to understand what it is, right? That's the first step. And B, they need to start implementing it into what they're already doing, correct? So it's like, 
But like, what does that look like? Like how, like if I have a business and I want to use liquid technology, what does that look like? Like where, how do I do that? And that's a very fair point. And that's another thing that uh, we need to spend more time on. And that's to build tool sets that will allow people to produce these AIs that then connect with other people's AIs using other, uh, using our tool sets or using other people's tool sets. In other words, we need to go from, uh, we demonstrated, we have the foundation in place to building tools that people can then use. So that, that's where I think we are right now. Right. Uh, and that's something Trevor and I have spent a lot of time talking about. So it's like, in other words, right? It's like, you're like, here's this amazing cell phone and you can talk to anybody. And I'm like, great. But like somebody else needs the cell phone. <laughs> Like they have to be using it as well, right? Like that's how the network is building. That's how the, you know, the AI are learning. So, so we just have to continue to help uh, bring the knowledge of this and just like, it's just a snowball. It needs Push to snowball. It to the yeah. I'm, I'm stuck on a visual. Help me, help, help me to, to confirm or deny that I'm not crazy here. So I, I'm seeing like fast forward X number of years, you're licensing a liquid product, right? I'm a small business owner. I'm starting my small business. Instead of hiring three or four humans to do specific jobs, I'm hiring you to do my website. And then the website's up and running and I got to figure out what to do with you and pay you as the person that does that. I can go to you and I can say, I would like, and I'm, I'm strongly visioning like a hologram. Like I'm, like I'm going to license you. It's like a butler with a British accent, right? You know, and for my business, I have a butler with a British accent. I hit the button, he pops up. I say, I need help doing my website. And it come, and it goes, and it goes and gets all the useful information to help me make my best, the best decision possible as the CEO of my company. And it starts to anticipate the things I'm going to need in my practice and gives me suggestions of what I should add and what I should start doing and, and what I should incorporate or th start to think about. And then if I go, you know, I really want to pivot from hula hoops to, you know, how do I import and export ice cream? It'll go, eh, eh. you have not signed up for that package yet. If you'd like to learn about international exports, please download this add-on. And then you can get the add-on and then it'll start reaching out to international exports and help you grow your business. But you, you buy basically a model of certain packages that you want it to be able to do. And then you can do add-ons over time and, and incorporate new things to be able to evolve with your business. But it's a, it's basically a SaaS, but it's like more than a SaaS because it's it, it's a smart SaaS, if you will. It it, it is a ever evolving employee that can do whatever you need to do in sequential, sequentially or move back or learn and, and grow with you. Am I am I off base there? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about you know as you're going through that scenario, it might be that way. It might work that way, but it might also be that there's a number of people who have produced uh, website AIs and sort of artificial intelligences that do a really good job putting a site together based on you know, what your company is trying to do and you know, having an interview with you, like, let me, let me understand that. And then that would recruit a whole bunch of other AIs that go to get things like images, graphics, that really good at layouts and actually generate the thing um, you know, for you uh, and that you, know, you, can, you can get to that uh, goal much, much, much faster. You know, other things that we talked about, you know, your ideas may need uh, trademarks for certain things, for products and names and so on. You can get that faster. Uh, patents is another example. Has this been patented before? Has somebody else done it? Or conversely, is there a patent or capability that I could use that is already out there? You could have sort of an intellectual property AI that can be looking at that. 
uh, other things which would be um, a great idea. Is that really something you should be doing in the first place? Let's, you know, do this, that idea. And get sort of uh, opinions on that. So you have these AIs that are doing or filling in a lot of gaps. And, it, and they may, at the end of the day, say, you know, this is a, a great idea. Uh, I think we can do it. And now you got to build a team. So you can have a recruiting AI that actually goes out and looks for people's availability and immediately uh, start building a team. And of course, when you're talking about vision further down the line, that team would include other AIs that you know, specialize in capabilities that you can work with as a group, as a hybrid you know, human uh, AI uh, team that actually you know, instantiates the vision that, that you have. It makes your vision. I, I think to be, to be clear on this, because I think I, I hear where you're coming, CJ, like the product side of it is, is kind of like saying, how do you productize the web? Right. Um, and so in this instance, like IOI, it's a little different to productize, productize. It's kind of like we're saying, oh, we're going to build like a Wix for IOI, right? So we're going to build a tool set that people can interact and, and build things on this, this internet of intelligence. Whereas with the web, you know, like there was a lot of, there's a lot of muscle and manpower that went into actually building the web and connecting computers the way that they were. So we're in that phase of getting people to understand what IOI is so that these things can actually be enabled. Right. So instead of changing the, the habits and the way people go out, we just, I still go to a website to gather information, but instead of going to a website, it's a, it's a aggregated uh, group of AIs that have communicated with each other to create the exponentially better content when I go yeah. there and yeah. I reach out to that AI yeah, sector to grab my information instead of having a sidekick that goes and does that for me and, and learns my preferences and, and proactively goes and does that research for me. Yeah. Okay. Maybe in the future, future, but I completely agree with you. And that's, in my opinion, very sound. You, you know, adaptation is crucially important to anything in technology. If so, we're not going to use it. It ain't going to work. Yeah. So for you guys expanding your team and, you know, I mean, yeah, are you guys... We can help. Yeah, like how, like, that's the whole point of UPSO, Upgrading Society. Like, we're here not only to, like, understand what you're doing, but also, like, how can we use our resources? How can our listeners that are out there help in real time? And like, this is a this is a place in a community that real people can help real ideas. So, like, is it funding? Is it just you know expanding a team of people who are willing to work on this um, in certain ways? Like specific, all anything specific actually just helps. That's, like, that's a great question. I mean, so almost all yes all the above i mean <laughs> right. so uh people that have uh, certain skills uh you know obviously we're doing a lot of programming and so on so you know having uh you know resources that like that um looking at applications there's a lot of things we haven't thought of i mean that's the whole you know purpose here is kind of communicate these ideas and just when the, the original web came out not everybody knew everything that was going to be on it it kind of grew and evolved and people got excited and they tried different things we wanted that too so you want to hear you know new ideas and applications um, you know, obviously, yes, funding, because, you know, some of this stuff, you know, requires we we have a team that actually builds and develops the core and disseminates those ideas as well. So that will be important. Um, you know, the other thing we didn't mention as much, um, and I believe there's some good answers for it, but are there things that are scary? And if there are, mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we put systems in place and have people think about implications so those don't happen. And then conversely, well, if you build such a system, how can that make me or make us much, much better. 
and maybe ideas about how we can actually have those beneficial as opposed to detrimental. You know, I think when the internet first started, people didn't think they're going to see pop-ups all over the place and, and things kind of getting in your way. Um, but that did happen. And then, of course, there's ways to help mitigate that. We want to keep, you know, nip that in the bud. Think about ways that we need to be careful with the deployment of this type of technology and not get into, you know, bad situations. So all of those, uh, I think, would be really important. Yeah, I think even roundtable ethics, I mean, that's that's a huge thing because when once you start really understanding the level advancement that we're going into, there are going to be things where it's like, how much do humans make in the decision-making process with this? Like, how much bias is, is there that is pushed to these AIs that then filtrates back into the system? So I think that, that's a big point that, to David's point, you know, people, when they were building the web, weren't thinking about malicious um, spam attacks, right? And, and stealing people's money out of a, um, a wiring account. So there's always going to be that malicious activity that we're going to have to be aware of. And I think that proactively thinking about what's coming next on the flip side, you know, the negative side of things um, and being aware of those things is, is unique because we, we historically have not done that with technology. So, um, but I am excited because as we've talked about the evolution of technology, there, there are going to be so many interesting new domains that pop up and we'll have to also, you know, caution those things as they come up as well. And, and one other I'm going to add to the end, which you guys can be extraordinarily helpful and even in the near term is what we're doing right now is honing the message. So, you know, we, you know, have this idea and we are trying to communicate it and we may not be doing a very effective job. There's things that resonate and things that don't. And, uh, you know, Trevor had the tagline of we're trying to do for artificial intelligence what the internet did for computers. And I think that's a really helpful tagline. So there may be other things like that. And then as we go forward, uh, particular examples that people resonate with, uh, things that they're worried about that we can actually have answers for. And as you know, I was saying, you know, the ideas of you know, making your dreams come true, making the things that you want to achieve easier with this technology, these are all the sort of things that we want to have uh, from this interaction. Perfect. And for those of you in, who are listening in the quote-unquote sense-making space or game B, um, or you're familiar with these things, we need your help. This is, uh, I think this is something that is extremely important to be thinking about. You guys have had a lot of rigorous thought in this space right now. And how can that world utilize this technology to make, to upgrade society? That's, that's really my question, my challenge to, to your listeners out there. So. Awesome. Should we do scoring? Yeah, I mean, it was a perfect segue, yes. right? Like, yeah, one it. of the things that's most important to you is the clarity of your message. And that's the first of the three scores, right? And so the, it, it, let me break it down for like five seconds. The, the reason why we do these scores is because we want to have you come back and we want to be able to give you feedback on significant improvement or areas of decline or increase on the different sides of things. So the, the reason why we talk about clarity is because in my opinion and in all of our opinion, your delivery of the message to be able to... to to round up excitement is crucial, right? If nobody listens to you, it could be the best idea in the world. So understanding clarity and how, and, and charging you with coming back next time and improving that clarity score is really important because now we're all on the same page of trying to get you there and trying to focus on that action the same way. I think of uh, heavy action as, as believability. Like you've not just talked about it, you've done. And I think about light activity as, oh my God, if somebody's looking for something to really make a change in and get involved in, something that's in like the third inning would be phenomenal because there's a lot of room to grow. There's a lot of action that can come. And then the potential is obvious. Like how exciting is this? 
right? I want to I want to know that the level of potential is either there or growing each time that we talk because you've gone into that environment and you've been able to seek those opinions and that feedback to grow the potential of what you're trying to do. Or you've recalibrated after working on it longer like, you know, how many I mean, just being a songwriter, it's like my first idea is rarely the one that that's the final, right? And if every every time I put a song out, I was just giving them the first idea, I'd be pretty disappointed after a while. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, and I really love the idea of this, and I love the positive reinforcement of this and the focus that it creates. Because at the end of the day, like the differentiation point that again we hope to create here is that we're about doing and we're about action through providing you a um, a platform to be able to show your true self, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. Let's, let's do, do the let's, let's do the scores. Do, yeah, clarity score. Clarity score. All right, I know what I want. Go ahead. We need to perk up for this. I, I know that's what I was thinking. I get graded. Who am I? <laughs> Usually it's the other way around, right, David? All right, here we go. Can you see it? Okay. Our score is yep. seven three nine seven for clarity. Three for action and p- nine for potential. Wow. It's going to be tough to beat nine. I, I don't give tens pretty much ever, and it's going to be a long time before you see it. It's a 10 more because we only, it, the, the cap score is supposed to be if, only three, yeah, three I don't numbers. Think this, <laughs> for me, the score doesn't go higher than uh, nine. Yeah. So you got, you got my, you got my full, I'm, I'm fully in, on board on this one. Yeah. Um, so it's clear. It could get better on clarity, right? Obviously, which is, we've all noticed that, and it's a moving target, anyways, as this thing mm-hmm. evolves. The action plan is ripe for activity, ripe for people to come on board and start getting involved right now, right? You're not getting in, lost into an organization that's not going to care about your opinion, you know? And you're looking for people with a voice, right? With a voice. Oh, yeah, we, that's what we want, yeah. I actually have something really specific that I should have mentioned earlier, made a racist score a little bit, of, of sort of near-term uh, action. Yeah. Uh, something mentioned get it, and, and get people excited to think about it. I'm not 100% on this, but I'll just throw it out there. One of the things that's been helpful previously is to have I think conferences are kind of a little bit too broad of a, a notion, but some sort of a forum where we get uh, a, a larger number of people that could speak to certain aspects of this. And I floated this idea around. So maybe somebody from the healthcare profession, like if this were in, in your world, how would you use it? Somebody in legal, somebody in business, somebody in finance, in, in of course entertainment, to give like little uh, snippets. So the action would be to put uh, a date on the calendar to create the first you know, IOI conference you know, arguably small, maybe a dozen, maybe as many as two dozen in sort of this online forum to then get little uh, vignettes or little presentations, little what ifs that again gets uh, the whole group excited. So that is a very solid uh, to do. That's a great idea. What if workshop, yeah. love? That. I mean, what if, what workshop. if workshop? Yeah. What if and workshop. we could do we could do an upso Zoom call yeah. and, 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 and have people, you know, join that... Um, maybe want to add to the conversation um that'd be awesome this. we could do yeah. quick fire across like 20 people you know? yeah yeah if thinking about you know 14 to 24 you know that that kind of like range yeah right yeah. if you're listening head to upso.co and we're gonna have all the info there upso.co you'll find all the info for the the, the what if workshop the what if workshop yeah, for there the you go. Int- internet of intelligence consortium yeah. i love oh, that man the branding action plan we got an action plan guys yeah love that 
All right, seven three nines going in the book. We'll put that up on the site with all of the content for for what y'all are doing over at Liquid. This is this is great. Yeah, great, guys. I'm excited about yeah. this. Thank you so Very much pumped. for talking right, us through this and you know. Any yeah. recap salutations for the audience that you you want to plug? Your website, where are you guys uh, where are you guys located? Uh, we'll save that one Don't. for next. Time. <laughs> ah, very good. Uh, love it. I get up that that thing up to a nine, and I think then we'll launch. Excellent. Right. Very excited. Right. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Take yeah, care. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye.